0: I'm gonna be talking about how in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 14, it says that when hope is deferred, the heart grows sick. But a dream attained is the tree of life. In other words, when you have an expectation in your life and it's not realized uh, until uh, too late. You know, you you have an expectation that you're anticipating uh, coming to fruition within the next year. And then it doesn't happen. All of a sudden, your heart grows sick. If it doesn't happen in 5 years, it doesn't happen in 10 years, it doesn't happen in 15 years. Then you start wondering if it's ever going to happen. It's hope deferred. And then there's this, uh, this flip side that when a dream does manifest itself, it's like a tree of life. You just enjoy it. You just love it. When, if you get the job that you've always wanted, uh, you get that raise or, or whatever it is that the dream is, it just continues to feed you. It continues to give you strength and energy. Uh, But the the same thing that gives you strength and energy can also become your enemy. Uh, If it fires you up because you believe that your expectation is attainable... When it's not attainable, it can bring you down, cause you to get depressed. Uh, You feel like your life is just uh, trash and and nothing is ever turning around for you. You feel like the marriage stinks, the money stinks, the car stinks, you stink, everything stinks. Um, and, And so what gives you energy can also become your enemy at the very same time. It's very fascinating because God never promised... To allow your expectations to come to pass. He did promise that his expectations would come to pass. And so what we have to do is we have to wrestle our life, and if you are taking notes, you know, underline that term, your spirit and your flesh wrestle back and forth, because sometimes your expectations seem like uh, they're so high that your reality is so low, the gap is too big, and it's never going to really bridge so we've got to wrestle through that. Uh, that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning. And so we're going to dive straight in and talk about um, two ladies in the Bible uh, by the names of Naomi and Ruth. Uh, Ruth, uh, chapter 4, verse 13, reads like this. So Boaz took Ruth. Any of you that are planning on having a baby, uh, feel free to consider naming your son Boaz. He'll love you for that. <laughs> he will love you. Uh, So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Then the the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has bore him. Then Noemi took the child, laid him, laid him on her bosom, and began, be, and became a nurse to him. Also, the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, "There is a son born to Naomi." And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse. The father of David. So, in this short little paragraph, we're reading about two ladies, and both of them are mothers. One mother is older and seasoned, she's in the uh, winter of her life. Uh, the other mother is young uh, and excited and, and feels like the, the world uh, is her oyster. Uh, But the older mother is who I want to spend time on today because she uh, went through so many battles in her life that many of her expectations that she was nurturing had fallen through um, uh, all hope, much like a rock would fall through a cobweb. Uh, So she's wrestling with the fact that her life is not going in the direction that she had hoped that it would. And so uh, this lady named Naomi, there was three things that she did to not only revive expectation in her life, but to actually attain it. You know, what the enemy would love to do is to come into your heart and pull all the expectation out. Expectation is an anticipation for the future. Which means you look into your future and it makes you excited. Well, Naomi is not there. Uh, She's not looking in her future uh, and being excited. Quite the contrary. The reason is, is her husband just passed away and her two sons passed away shortly after him. And so now she has two daughter-in-laws, one named Ruth and the other named Orpah. And so here she is, she has no husband and she has no sons. She has no way of taking care of herself. So her Her life is just going from bad to worse to horrible. And so she looks at her two daughters and she says, look, I can't take care of you. Uh, I can barely take care of myself. I'm going to go back home. Why don't you guys go back home to your families as well? Orpah said, okay, I love you. I'm going to miss you. But I hear what you're saying. I'm going to go back home to my mom and dad. But Ruth looks back at Naomi and says, I can't leave you. I can't leave you. I'm staying with you. Your victories are going to be my victories. When you uh, have a battle, it's going to be my battle. We're going to go through this together. Your God is going to be my God, and your family is going to be my family. So Naomi said, okay, uh, if that's the deal, well, pack your bags. I'm going back to my hometown. She backed, She went back to her hometown, and all of a sudden, point number one is identity. She began to wrestle with her identity. You see, I've got a picture here of the perfect family, and a picture like this comes in every new frame that you can buy at Walmart or Hobby Lobby. And when this is your expectation, you look at that, and you look at your own life, and you're like, no not so much and now we can take 600 christmas photos and pick out the best one and make people think that that's our life but we know the truth and so this is what we wrestle with is the expectation of what we wish we had compared to our reality and so we wrestle first point number one is with our identity best way I can uh, uh, bring this point home is, is through an illustration. Uh, I've got, I'd like for Brother Duane to come on up here with uh, that bowl of water that he has. Right here, I've got ice water. Here, I have uh, room temperature water. And uh, what Brother Dwayne is, is bringing me is um, blazing hot water. Yeah, that's hot. Good. Very nice. Uh, Ty, I need your help this morning, girl. Why don't you give Ty Tillman a round of applause? (laughs) Come on up here. And, uh, you know, I used uh, somebody else. It's good to see you today. You have no idea what we're going to do, but she's never been shy in her life, so we're ready to go. All right, why don't you stand right here and... um, you smell good. Tell everybody what you're wearing. Michael Core. It smells good. It smells good. Okay, we got to be tough this morning. Okay, okay we got to be tough, tough, tough. Have you ever sprained an ankle? Oh, yeah. Lots of times, and lots you, of basketball. Lots of basketball, have you ever had to ice it? All the time. There we go, so we're, we're ready for this. So this is what our experiment is gonna be. In a minute, you're gonna take your right hand and you're gonna put it to the bottom of that bowl with the ice in it, okay? And we're gonna do a three Mississippi count, okay? And we're gonna do a five Mississippi count, okay? Then you're gonna pull that hand out, you're gonna take your left hand and you're gonna put it in the bottom of that bowl. Now, we're going to take it easy on you. We're only going to do like a, a two Mississippi count or a three Mississippi count. Okay. All right? So, on your mark, get set, go. One, all the way to the bottom. All the way. There you go. One Mississippi. Two. Mississippi. Three Mississippi. Four Mississippi. Four and a half Mississippi. Four. Mississippi, Give Ty a round of applause. Pull it out. Now put your hand inside that water right there. What's that feel like? Warm? Hot? It's numb. <laughs> What's the water feel like? You can't really feel anything. It's still <laughs> numb. So it, it is, is, the just, water, is the water cold or is it hot or is it warm?
1: It just feels room temperature. It, it was kind of cool at first, but it feels warmer now as my hand is so, unthawing.
0: So it feels feels warm
1: yes it does
0: okay good 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 all right pull your hand out of there no <laughs> No. <laughs> it feels good it's mother's all right day. it's mother's day that's great okay now take your right hand and put it in the hot water as deep as you can one mississippi two Mississippi. you okay? okay ready all right one mississippi two mississippi ah, all right put it in there what's that feel like it feels nice and cool It feels cool? Yeah, it feels good. All right, let me just make sure I understood this right. When you put your right hand in, it was warm. Mm -hmm. When you're putting your left hand in, it's cool. That's right. Mmm. Give Ty a round of applause. Would you do that? Would you do that? You did so good. Here, let me help you down. There you go. Happy Mother's Day. I'm so sorry we burnt your hand on Mother's Day. There we go. Did you guys catch that? So, she took her right hand and put it in, and it was warm. Then she took her left hand and put it in, and it was cool. Same water. Right hand in, warm. Left hand in, cool. What's the point? The previous experience directly influenced... The present perspective. So one person can go into a marriage. in their family, when they were growing up, was like the Belvederes. They were the Brady Bunch. They go into the marriage and it's like, this is going to be wonderful. We're going to have 150 kids together. This is going to be fantastic. The person that they married... Came from a family that I came from, where it's blended, and a stepmom, a stepdad, and stepbrothers, and stepsisters, and you go into that marriage going... (laughs) What's the difference? It's the same chapel. It's the same preacher. It's the same moment. What's the difference? The previous experience directly influences the present perspective. Are you with me? So what is taking place with Naomi is her previous experiences were so rough. They were so intense that when she came back home to see her family, everybody said, Naomi, which means joy. She says, I don't, don't call me joy anymore. I'm changing my name. My name is now Bitter. Bitter. I want you to call me bitter from now on. So she began to change her identity. And naturally, when somebody begins to change like that, and they knew the old Naomi, they say, what happened? What happened to the person that was so vibrant and excited? And and I can't, I'm so happy to be married. This is going to be my life. To all of a sudden don't call me Naomi ever again she's wrestling with identity most of us have been there my wife and I have been there and um, after much coercing and promising to clean the house of for several weeks in a row I have <laughs> compelled Allie to help me speak this morning so Allie why don't you come up here and help me make this point
1: well I wore my mother's day that Luke made me this at school and I'm very proud of it so I hope you all are too so good but I just wanted to come up here this morning and just share, uh, if you don't know us, if you're new today, you'll realize very quickly that we're very real. And uh, Frankie and I are a little crazy. Our kids are too, but I think we're crazier, aren't we? I think so. But, uh, yeah, we're just a real family. This is who we are. And, um, we've been through quite an ordeal the last, uh, I'd say about three years. It's been interesting. And I just want to share with you, it started in about 2011 and, uh, both of us were just sort of wrestling with the idea. We have two kids. We had, we had two kids. They were eight and they back then they would have been seven and four, I guess. And we were wondering, or we were just thinking, we, we feel like we want another one, but you know, two is the magic number, you know, uh, restaurant booths fit for, you know, hotel rooms fit for, uh, you know, who in their right mind goes and has three kids and messes it all up. I mean, they say, if you have three, you should just have 10, but you know, and I can attest to that right now. Cause we do have three. Amen. But, um, you know, what were we thinking? But so my, I was just like wrestling with that. And, um, I all that to say, Naomi was losing her, lost her sons and wanting to change her name. And it just strikes a chord in me because my flesh and my spirit have been wrestling for the last three years, just in different ways. And that was the first wrestling match was, do we have another kid? And it just, you know, my flesh, everything about it said no, because why, you know, there's just, everything's good, but something in my spirit just wouldn't let go. And I knew we weren't done. And there was a baby out there that was supposed to be a part of our family. And so we went for it in uh, January of 2012. I found out I was pregnant and we were so excited. I just felt the joy inside and I thought this was the right decision. You know, you just know, and it was just the knowing. And I just was so excited. We told the church, we told everybody, and I was about 13 weeks in and I lost the baby. And I thought, man, God, I thought this was right. This was what you, I felt like this was it. And it took me a whole nother year of wrestling, wondering if I'd made a mistake, wondering if that wasn't the right thing to do. Maybe he was telling me, you know, four is good, but it just, my spirit would not let go of that baby that was out there. And so it took us a year and we decided once again to try. And, and, um, I think it was March of uh, 2013, I found out I was pregnant and I was Of course, just like every other woman that's out there that's lost a baby or just the feeling that gut, you can't even understand it. I can't explain it of losing a child or baby or it's just, you just, there's a fear there. And so I was fearful and I remember the Lord spoke to me. I was, it was just about three weeks into the pregnancy and he said, this baby is strong. I could just hear it like clear. This baby is strong. And so I just held on to that. I was like, Lord, if that's you, I'm, I, I don't. I'm hearing it and I, I will hold on to that. And so walking through that, it was about five weeks. That was about three weeks, five weeks into the pregnancy. I was on the rev retreat and I got this terrible headache. It was April of 2013 and I couldn't stand up the night. The next day I came to church and that night I took myself to the ER because I couldn't even stand up. It was so painful. I couldn't see straight. I had to lay down. And from that point on for about 10 to 12 weeks, I was in bed I was uh, diagnosed with finally, they couldn't figure it out, four neurologists later, two E, whatever, ENT doctors, ear, nose and throat, yes, uh, doctor after doctor couldn't figure it out. But they say one in 50,000 people can get a spontaneous spinal fluid leak. And I was the lucky one in 50,000. How it happened, they have no idea. They did MRIs to find where it was so they could fix it because unless they fixed it, They had done an MRI on my brain and it was drying out. The meninges in the brain were drying and that was causing the headache and I couldn't stand up. I couldn't see, my eye was hurting. It was incredibly painful. The baby was fine, but I was struggling intensely. I couldn't do anything for the kids. I couldn't even get out of bed. We would spend days in my bed together, the kids, and as soon as they got home from school, I remember looking at Presley one day and all she could say is, Mommy, why is this happening? And I thought, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, you know, I'm married to the guy that says, we, we don't believe that God can, we believe that he will. And I'm sitting here going, God, you need to do something about this. I can't get out of bed. I'm sick. I'm having MRIs that I'm not supposed to have because I'm pregnant. And I, we're just in a situation of just utter, there was moments where I just looked at Frankie and say, what is happening to us? And I remember just to to bring some humor into it there was a day we didn't know it but our septic tank pump had gone out and all our toilets stopped working and frankie i'm in bed of course still in bed frankie's pumping the toilets out and he's pumping pumping and all of a sudden i hear oh dear god help me and i could hear the splash and it had just come all up on him and i mean this is the guy who doesn't even like pen on his hand and he's got the toilet was full okay You know, from that to me being in bed to I got in a car accident, I got a rental car, my mom was there to help me, she blew the tire on the rental car, Frankie's freaking, I mean, it was one thing, like, uh, blowing a tire is no big deal, but when you have all these other things, it's just like, dear God, help us, and we just sat through this season not knowing when it was going to end, and I remember that, um, The moment when the healing started, it got crazier before it got better. All that stuff started. It's like I was sick, and then all the crazy started. And I remember the moment of feeling like I got better. And all through that, uh, we'll go back to this. I remember that through that, I thought, what is happening? And I remember that the Lord told me, "Um, just remember my promise. This baby is strong, which means I'm going to be strong because this baby is coming. And I remember thinking of the moment when I felt the healing start to happen, I had several procedures to fix the spinal fluid leak. They did what they could, even though I was pregnant. And uh, I remember the moment when I started, I used to snap whenever I do stuff, I snap. I'm like, okay, I'm going to eat lunch. All right. And I remember I started snapping again and I knew the healing was coming. And it was just this moment of like, I, 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 it was just this, this knowing that it was going to be okay. And, uh, as soon as I got better, remember we took a trip to Galveston with our kids just to celebrate. I was still a little bit sick and I just, I could sit on the beach in a chair and I got a phone call from the doctor and the nurse said, you know what? The blood test for the baby just came back and I just want to, are you, are you, are you sitting down Is your husband there? I said, I'm, I'm good. She said, there's a one in 10 chance, which is very high for a woman of your age that the baby has um, down syndrome. And keep in mind, I had just got out of bed. I had just got better. And I, it was like, boom, I didn't, there's no words for that news in your mind. And we spent the next four weeks dealing with that. But I remember that moment. I went back to the hotel room and I got on my knees and I said, God, I cannot handle anymore. And I remember him saying to me, Remember the promise that I gave you. This baby is strong. And I was I just held on to that for four weeks. And today we have a healthy, strong, beautiful baby girl from heaven. And I promise you, I feel like the Lord just plucked her right out of heaven and gave her to us. <laughs> but I want to tell you that through this, I learned that don't doubt God's plan for your life in the dark seasons he's still working. If you're still breathing, he's not done. He takes the things that have been stolen from our lives and he turns them into something good. And I just want to encourage you this morning. Sarah Stevens said this on the Rev Retreat. and um, just like Naomi wanted to change her name or change her theology in the dark times, it's hard. And sometimes we want to change our identity and change who, I mean, back then I, I could have just gone, God, this isn't even real. You know, my husband's preaching this word and it's not happening to me. It's hard, but sometimes we got to realize that we're looking as though in our life, it's like taking two toilet paper rolls to the grand Canyon and you're, you you do not ever take them off your eyes and you look at the grand Canyon and you're like, wow, this is awesome. This is so beautiful. And what you don't realize is you're missing the whole picture. You're missing so much from that. And I just want to encourage you guys that sometimes, just like Naomi, we're, we don't see the whole picture yet of what God's going to do. And I still think we struggle with seeing the whole picture. Not struggle, but we don't know what the whole picture is of the past three years of why we went through this. But I just know that I don't see it, but there's a whole portrait that the Lord's painting for our life. And one day we're going to realize what he was doing and for the reason who we needed to touch through what's happened through us to us. Amen. I hope that encourages you this morning.
0: You know, um, one of the uh, points that I, I hope you guys caught is is that wrestling of is God going to pull through? Is He not going to pull through? It's your spirit. It's your flesh. And if if you're one of those people where you say, man, I don't know what you're talking about. God answers all my prayers. Well, don't tell me about it because I'm gonna have trouble liking you after that. <laughs> um, but we just we just go through this wrestling match and, and Ali would tell me, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna get healed. And um, uh, I would sit there and I would wonder to myself, you know, is this my new normal? You know, is my wife never gonna get out of bed again because none of the doctors knew what was gonna happen? And there were moments where I thought, okay, this is my new normal. Okay, um, this, is, this is my life. And I just begin to accept it. And then I would feel deep down inside, and some of you may have felt this before, something on the inside of you saying, no, do not believe that. Don't believe that. Don't believe, and it's so quiet, isn't it? It is, the, it is the softest whisper you'll ever hear. Don't believe that. Don't believe that. Don't believe that. Because what we want to do is we want to build a whole new mentality. We want to build a whole new identity. This is my life and it's not getting any better. Don't call me joyful one. This is bitter. It's not getting better. And the minute you say that, it's almost like you can feel the Holy Spirit right down in here say, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. And so here, Naomi comes back and she's saying, don't call me joyful one anymore, call me bitter one. And there was a name for it. You know what's so interesting is I reread the book of Ruth last night. And it's so funny because after she made this big stand, don't call me Naomi, nobody listened to her. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody listened to her. Everybody continued to call her Naomi. It's almost kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. you you be quiet. Hey, joyful one. You know, it's like, I told you. No, joyful one. And it's it's so funny to me how sometimes we will just try to just allow ourselves to go into this ditch. And the Holy Spirit will go, I told you, don't believe that. And he'll begin to pull you out and pull you up and pull you out and pull you up. But the first thing is this, is to hang on to our identity, to remember who we are, and to remember that God's pulling us up. Everybody say number two. Number two is investment. Now, I'm going to give you three points, and all three of them start with I, so hopefully that'll help you remember. The first one... Uh, is identity. The second one is investment. Naomi was in this season of life where she had realized everything is struggling just to hang on. Just just hang on. Uh, my, my mom is, is a single mom and, and she told me uh, that she is, she's always working so hard to hold uh, her world together. So she's handling all these big moments one after another, one after another, one after another. She's holding the whole world. She gets to the end of the day she's like oh my day is finally done and then all of a sudden she looks at the trash can that has got to be taken out and she just broke down and had a breakdown over the trash can that it was full and she was like it wasn't the trash can i had just been holding everything together all day long and i thought i was done and then it was the trash needed to be taken out and there was no one to help me with the trash and i just broke i don't know if you've ever been there but it's just that little tiny not even a straw it's just like a, a just a just a hair and it just broke the camel's back just a boom and of course my my half sister her daughter is looking at my mom like I'll take out the trash. And of course, it's all about the trash. But when things are just going so wrong, Naomi did something that was so incredibly wise. I don't even think she understood what she was doing. She all of a sudden shifted her attention from her. And, and stop. I'm not going to walk around thinking, this was my life. That's my life. This was my life. This is my life. This is what I wanted. This is what I got. my life stinks you see this this is not me (laughs) see she she just said you know what enough of me I'm not even going to think about me I'm not even going to think about my family I'm not going to think about anything my whole life now watch this is about investing into you Ruth it's not about me anymore And I'll tell you, if any of us are ever going to do all that God has called us to do, we have to shift from being about us to about being about other people. You will never find a successful, selfish person. You can't find it. I don't care if they're a Christian or not. You can't find somebody that doesn't know how to give and, and, and to invest into other people and become, no one gets successful by themselves. They need people. And so people that are self-centered, they never achieve all that God has for them. And the sooner we do it, the better. And so here comes Naomi. She is going to now invest into Ruth. She's done worrying about her life. I'm done with my life. And sometimes God's got to take us through the most horrible situations just to get us to finally say that. So now she's going to invest into Ruth. And she looks at Ruth and she says, Ruth you need to get married and I'm gonna teach you how to attract this guy named Boaz. She goes, number one, and this is in the Bible, go take a bath. (laughs) And when I read that, I thought, "How, how, where are you in life when that's step number one? The, the first thing you need to do is go take a shower. My gosh, you're killing us! Go to Bath and Body Works. Go get that spray. If you're not going to take a bath, put that spray on you. What's that? Axe? It's almost like axe or that, those body sprays. It's almost kind of like a coat that will cover up the stink. You know? She says it's in the Bible. She says go take a bath. Number two, put on a dress. I'm like, do you want to teach her how to brush her teeth too? Like how basic are we getting? Where was she at before you decided to invest into her? Then she says, go to his house. And she says, after he's done working, let him have some dinner and some wine. There's some things that only years can teach you. Let him get home, relax, chill out, decompress. You know what I'm talking about? Let him have something neat, have a glass of wine. When he's laying down relaxing. Then. This is when we as men realize that we can't trust women. (laughs) Because you have already thought all this through. See we think it's an act of kindness. No, 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 no. You're you're way ahead of the game here. You poured the wine. So then. Then. Then you come in, she says, and then just lay next to his feet. Any woman that lays next to your feet, you know. You sleep with one eye open, your hand on the Bible, and the other one on the Glock. It's just... <laughs> I'm just kidding. So she lays next to his feet and she begins to cause an attraction and a romance to take place. What I love about this is that they ended up getting married. They ended up starting a family. And Naomi was able to back up and say, when I first got a hold of this girl, I had to tell her to take a bath. How rough around the edges was she? So when you go from wrestling with your identity, and then you just back up and say, you know what? My new identity is going to be to invest into people because I'm done being depressed and I'm done being down and I'm done being fussy about my own life. I'm done with it. I'm going in. So she begins to invest. And I like that she was rough around the edges. You know, my my mother in the Lord, Jeannie Mayo, is coming to speak on June the 8th. You cannot miss that Sunday. You missed that Sunday. You have made a royal mistake. On June the 8th, she's coming to speak. She speaks. She's the number one sought-after communicator at youth conventions around the country. And the crowds that she speaks at are usually never less than 5,000. She's phenomenal. But I met her when I was 19 years old. And I remember I met... She lived in Rockford, Illinois. I lived in the great metropolitan city of Nederland, Texas. (laughs) If you've never been there, you can only go there if you... Purposely go there. You won't accidentally end up in Nederland. So, Nederland, Texas and she came down to a youth conference we met and for nine months straight she called me every single day. Every single day except for twice and that's because of me. And I'd keep asking her, Why do you call me every day? And she would set the appointment for the next day. What time is good for you tomorrow? I'm a 19-year-old punk kid, long curly hair, believe it or not, two big loop earrings, pants hanging down to here. And I think I know everything. And she's calling me every single day. Every single day. And I asked her one day, why do you keep on calling me? You don't know what I'm doing over here. If you knew what I was doing over here, you wouldn't be calling me. What I was doing over there was living like the devil. And she told me this. She said, Frankie, I'm a diamond cutter. And a diamond cutter that's hanging on the side of a mountain can look at a diamond and determine if it's worth his time to cut that diamond out because he's so experienced he can see that diamond before he even starts working on it in the mountain he can determine how many carats is in that diamond and she goes, I know if I fight for you the return for the kingdom is going to be exponential and I said, I have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) she moved me to Rockford, Illinois put me over the junior high youth group and every single Wednesday night we'd go out to eat at Steak and Shake God bless America and we would talk about youth service and she mentored me for three years I stayed up there for five years and introduced me to my wife I back up and I go she has been living her life for four decades I'm not the only Frankie there's like 500 I used to think I was special I was like man I'm kind of the bomb And then I'd meet people older than me. And he would say, oh, I know the trick. I know the trick. I was like 22 at the time. And he was, I remember this conversation. He was like 35. And he said to me, he goes, I know the trick. You know, you call Jeannie at night. You let it ring one time. Then you hang up and then you call back and she knows that it's you. And you pick up the phone. (laughs) I thought that was our thing. (laughs) I thought that was our thing. She lives her life doing this for four decades. And I'm going to tell you something. Jim Carrey said it this way. He goes, I wish everybody could be rich and famous and have everything that they want so that they could finally find out that that doesn't fix anything. Point number three, and my last and final point, is I am. Identity, investing, and I am. That's what God calls himself, I am. You know, because he's not locked in time. He's not in the past. He's not in the future. He is everywhere. He's in the future and he's in the past. Wrap your head around that. And he's in the present. He's everywhere. He's I am. And so he looks at Naomi and he does something phenomenal that only God can do. Ruth has the baby. She brings her baby to Naomi. Naomi takes the baby and begins to nurse the baby. Come on, let your brain go there. She's a grandmother at this point. She's nursing the baby. Things are flowing out of her that she thought would never flow out of her. God oversees time. And then the neighbors, the women, they said, God has given Naomi a baby. It doesn't say that God gave Ruth a baby, He gave Naomi a baby. And so here in Naomi is got this grandson given to her in a way that she never thought it would come. It didn't come from the person that she thought it would come from, it didn't come when she thought it was gonna come from, it didn't come how she thought it was gonna come. Can I say that again? It didn't come the way she thought it was. It didn't come from who she thought it was. It didn't come from how. So now she's holding this baby. This baby's name was Obed. He had a son named Jesse. Jesse had a son named David, a.k.a. King David. If Naomi would have had her way, she would have had sons, and she may have had grandsons. But God wanted to give her a king. His ways are above our ways. And their timing is so much better. Hang on to your identity. Commit to investing. And remember God's name as I am.